Hey, Thor here, investor at bubblebog.com, co-founder hazakcoffee.com, and coach at thorholt.com. Okay, I have wanted to have this conversation for simply ages. I really enjoy this guy's musings on life. Mainly, I see them on Twitter, where his uh, somewhat brutal Twitter feed cracks me up. I'm amazed he has not lost his job, or not yet, at least. We have a relaxed stroll through libertarian ideas, lockdown strategy, and uh, his amazing fine art creations, among other things. Today, Thor Holt presents Dick Dillingpole. Hey, Thor. Hello, Dick. How's it going? Okay, can you hear me okay? Yes, I can, fella. Right. Gosh, you've got a bushy COVID beard, haven't you? Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm uh, holding, my, holding my nerve until I see the whites of their eyes. No, I'm holding my nerve until my barber is back. Right. He's an Albanian by way of Greece who somehow ended up cutting hair very nicely in the backwoods of Aberdeenshire where I live. But sadly, right. he seems to have disappeared, hopefully not all the way back to Albania, hopefully to somewhere more local. But his venue's been shut down. I'm sure he would say, fuck it, and cut my hair and beard anyway. So I'm holding firm for him. So I need lockdown to end so I can get my bloody hair cut. Look at the state of it. My wife is most turned off by this terrible <laughs> monstrosity of a beard. On your, on your avatar, you're, you're nicely trimmed and neat and respectable looking, but you look like the, the, the bushy, wild Scotsman that you probably more likely are. A Viking more like, pal. I'm from you Shetland. Look Thor, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. I, 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 when I listened to your initial podcast you did with my brother, you were, you were telling him about your origins and what have you. And, uh, yeah, and, and why you end up with the, the crazy name and, and all that. Yeah, you, you've got a good backstory. Yeah, well, it's, um, it's one of those things that we're not going to go into today, though, because I want to know, is your job safe in COVID times, sir? How are it, things with you? I'm, I'm actually working every day and have done. I mean, the, the very first week of lockdown, I was on holiday. I was supposed to be going up to a, um, a rented cottage in Northumberland, and the whole thing came tumbling down that very day that I was meant to go. Hmm. So... Um, I was off for that week, which was quite pleasant because remember it was really quite a hot week that last week of March. Yeah. It, that was when the unexpectedly good weather started. <laughs> so uh, I, I just enjoyed nice long trips up. The, I live in Worcester. We live right on the river. Uh, long walks up the River Seven. It was very pleasant, and then it was back to work. Um, we'd already moved. I, I work for a, um, a vacuum cleaner company, and um, I, I do the graphic design. It, it's really quite ordinary what i do but it can be done from home so yeah. the, the direct mail that you receive the the press ads you know i'd rather be in an office full of my colleagues but um i can do it from home and i have been doing so and it's worked a treat though i hate to say it uh, i don't want it to be working so well but it is so yes the, to cut a long story short my, my job's safe uh, we seem to be doing okay as a company uh, thank god for that Apologies for that phone call. Unbelievably, that's the local radio station calling my missus. Right. She crashed a call I was having with a DJ friend of mine yesterday and said she wanted to promote her thing. No, it's brilliant. I'm really proud of her because this is what everyone's going to need to do in the next couple of years is sell the arse off of whatever they're doing and not be ashamed yeah. just to jump in and, and sell. So, yeah, I'm delighted. But anyway, it meant the phone rang in the middle of what you were saying. You've got a job. You're a Delingpole who's got a job. Is that even legal? I'm 
I I'm thought you guys outlier in that I... respect. I, I am the black sheep of the family. It's very <laughs> odd. Um, I, but I thought that libertarians weren't allowed jobs, though. I thought that you were basically untermention alt-right evil people. Yeah, libertarians. I, I, I think we have to do what we do, can do to get by. I mean, it's part laziness. I've been self-employed before, and I'm essentially meant to be an artist. But uh, you know, I did the whole art college thing. I even did an MA. I ended up in Belfast doing an MA in fine art after my degree in Cheltenham. Uh, it was all putting off the inevitable of what the hell does an artist do to earn a living? Uh, and then I fell into um, graphic design as kind of like, kind of like a novelist falls into journalism, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. It, it, it's a way of earning money. Hang on a second, mate. I'll edit this out. I don't know why another phone call. Surely she's on the phone to the radio station now. Answer the phone! <laughs> Unbelievable. My apologies. I might leave that in. Your brother would no, leave that no, in. No, James has all sorts of stuff going up in his, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, keep going. Add the realism and the charm of it all. This, this is a great question, Dick. What does an artist do, right? And that's a great point you make. So a lot of journalists I'd actually would love to be novelists or whatever, mm -hmm. doing something more, inverted commas, creative. Now, what about your Damien Hirst, your famous artists? Are they really just total outliers and only a tiny percentage of artists can make it? Or is it down to marketing? It's um, something I've pondered ever since my art college days. I think every, well, certainly every art student like me went into it thinking this is just a natural progression to me becoming a famous and very wealthy artist. Mm -hmm. And you've got to go in there with that attitude. You can't think, well, I'll chance my arm at fine art. Mm -hmm. It's a bit like with journalism that James always says to kids who want to go into journalism, look, my first advice to you is don't do it. The second <laughs> thing I say is definitely don't do it. Um, and after he's told them four or five times, they are the people who cannot do anything but write and they haven't chosen it, it's chosen them. So the same with art. You don't go into art to make money. You don't think, well, what's a great way of making money? You do it because you have to and it's because it's the one gift that God gave you. Now, um, I, found, I found my art much easier to do once I earned a living. Uh, mm -hmm. When the art didn't have to provide the income, especially once I had a family, I was able to relax and actually paint what I wanted to paint mm -hmm. rather than thinking, will this sell? Um, and I've actually sold more paintings since I relaxed and didn't need to make any money out of them than yeah. ever I did when I thought I was being an artist. So it, it's an odd one. It, it's, um, I think the key to it is you have to be painting what you love rather than um, trying to earn a living from it. So um, what do you love painting? Well, I... I about 20 years ago, I moved up from Hackney, London, to Worcestershire, where I was born. It was a, you know, a, a case of getting out of the city because we had kids, the, mm -hmm. the classic middle class um, flight from the city thing. Yeah. Um, and I got into reenactment and I started messing around with pikes and muskets and I got really into the whole military history thing. And so what I started painting was military uniforms. Uh, I'd pose my friends in, a, in their uniforms, I'd photograph them front and back, and then I'd do a very detailed watercolor of it. And uh, over the years, I've done about, well, exactly 32 of these things, and uh, people took an interest in them. They became a sort of a weird little 
it seemed like I'm the only one doing this sort of thing. I found mm. a, a really obscure, unique niche. And uh, I, I turned the paintings into cigarette cards, which sell really well um, because they're affordable and small and identifiable. The paintings themselves, I, I sell them as prints. It, it's worked nicely and I really love doing the painting. What, after a day's graphic design, I will sit at my painting desk. Uh, I chose watercolor because uh, it's doable. You can pick it up and put it down really quickly. Oil paint, mm. I, you could spend as long mixing the colors for oil painting as I do doing a session of painting, which might yeah. last an hour. So I can get an hour's painting done every evening, at the end of which it's like a, a meditation session. I feel great. Um, I, 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 I feel like an artist again. I feel like I've done something creative. I've moved my painting on that little bit further each day. So I can look at the painting before I go to bed in the evening and say, yeah, I've made progress in something. And I think we all need to feel that we're making progress in our lives, but it's a very marked thing when you see progress on a painting. And it probably works the same with novel writing. So where can people, I would like to know for me, where can I find your, like I've got a website a, for your paintings and your cigarette? Dellingpolestudio.co.uk. That's Dellingpole with one L. Well, two L's, but none of them are together. <laughs> Dellingpole um, Studio. All one word. Dot co dot UK. UK. You said something there which caught my attention just before that. You said we all need to feel like we're moving on with our lives. I think you said that. And that, is, that does bring me back to the lockdown because I'm a generally positive person and I'm a coach. So I'm helping other people be positive and sell themselves. So I, I certainly have a mindset of progression and positivity and I live in a beautiful place. I have no complaints about where I've been in lockdown, but I am definitely getting to that stage where I'm just like, okay, fuck this. We just need to crack on now, guys, which isn't making me popular when I'm mentioning that to certain people. What, what's your feeling about this? Positivity is absolutely essential and you can't just generate it out of nowhere. You, it, it needs to come from a position of strength and I've got that through keeping fit. Mm. Uh, I've been running around Worcester Racecourse, which uh, my house overlooks. It's almost exactly a five-kilometer loop. Every mm. morning, up at about six o'clock, uh, I don't love doing it, but I love the effect it has on me. And when I get back, I feel great. I can sit down in a, a, at a desk for a day without feeling twitchy and needing to get out. But it's given me that sort of inner strength to be positive. And even if I miss it for a day, I, I, I can feel the black dog of potential depression looming in the background. And I think the keeping fit bit is the one, if I was to impart one piece of advice on people in this whole nightmare, keep fit and, and your mental strength will follow on from that. Yeah, absolutely. Are you, are you kicking James's ass now? Because I know he's been trying to run as well. Well, he, we've all joined a, the family Strava group. So mm. we, um, we're competitive with each other. We're a horribly competitive family in a lot of ways. And it's not great for James because he is still recovering from his um, uh, Lyme disease. Mm. And his advice from his, 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 um, the practitioner who, who's treating him is do half of what you feel you can do physically. Mm. You know, if you think you can run two miles, run one. Um, you don't want to be putting pressure on yourself. He, he started to get competitive and he started to think, well, my younger brother is doing better than me. I've got to push myself harder. And he overdid it. So <laughs> it, it wasn't a clever thing he did. Yeah. Um, he didn't listen to his wife who said not to do that. 
Uh, well, none of us listen to our wives. Well, Steady on, yeah, Nick. <laughs> except, except in in retrospect, it's like when it turned out to have been right all along. Um, yeah. But yeah, he he's again he's in a great position um, in the countryside. You know, he can step outside his door, and he's got acres and acres of land and forest, and he even swims in the local lake. Uh, he, he's he's in a very nice place to be locked down, as am I. Mm-hmm. And it, it's such a shame for people who are locked down in a tower block in the middle of a city, and then they get people telling them they can't sit on park benches. So yeah, you're <laughs> lucky. I'm lucky. James is lucky for for where we're at. I mean, it, if if you're going to get put into prison, this is the nicest prison you could be in. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, the, the the runs that I can do from outside my back door up and down the side of the, the River Severn, around some local meadows. It, it's beautiful. So no excuse not to get out there. And it's all free. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do feel for that. This is going to sound patronizing, but I'm from a working class uh, kind of environment. I was brought up working physically and I've done various physical jobs. I've worked in a in a dump, you know, an actual council dump before. Nice. And I've, I've picked up litter for money. So I do understand what it's like to be working on, you know, basically minimum wage. And I really feel for the the guys and girls that are, you know, properly working class who are unable to do their jobs right now. Now, if they're sat on furlough and then their job comes back at the end, great. Okay. It was shit for them at the time being stuck at home. But for all those, like I heard a prediction yesterday, Simon Dolan gave me the prediction. You know, he was on James's show recently yeah, and yeah, I had him on my podcast. Well, he, he, from somebody senior who I won't say anything more about because I don't want to identify them, but somebody who knows had told him that he feels 80% of those that are currently furloughed in the UK will end up being made redundant by the end of the year. And he's hearing this from business owners. And I was like, oh my God, could you imagine you're stuck in a city or a town? You're not really able to get out much to exercise even. You, you may be on furlough. And then at the end of that, you're going to be made unemployment. So for people like you and me who have I guess more middle class occupations if we're honest. Mm-hmm. And we can we can work from home. We can create a podcast or whatever. I don't know, it's a different world. And so thinking back to my time kind of laboring and doing those types of jobs, if those types of jobs are gone, what what do those people do? Like because the numbers involved will be so tremendous. Where do they go? I mean, do we end up in a I don't know, I'm I'm just thinking out loud here. Do we end up in a place of social conflict like of of writing I think and anything is possible on those lines. It's the people who are just blinkered as to, with the fear that the government has intentionally instilled in them that this is going to kill them if they step outside their door. They completely mm-hmm. overplayed the message of fear and they didn't realize how easy it was going to be to, to make people that scared. Mm-hmm. And people are just ignoring the, the future mayhem that they've got in store. They're, they're they're overlooking the fact that they may well wake up one morning soon to find they have not got a job. Mm-hmm. Is that better than risking catching a cold? Um, and oh, steady on, Dick. Even I'm going to have to jump in there. Catching a cold, okay. come on now. <laughs> it's a bit more than that. It's more than that if you're overweight and over 50. But for most people, and I think we'll find this when the antibody tests start to come out, mm-hmm. most people will find that that cold they had back in January was it. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 ser- I think although what I said was deliberately trolly and um, 
got the response in you. Uh, <laughs> you, you must know I do that. You quite triggered a lot. me. You triggered me, sir. Uh, but uh, I, I think it, it, there's a point, a serious point behind it, which is that the amount of people who will have had this, you know, that lingering cold you had in January, mm -hmm. uh, you know what? That may well have been it because so many people have this and, be, uh, and are symptom free. Well, we all had blistering sore throats and I had a fever for a couple of nights, which I haven't had for years. So I, I did think maybe I have had it and it'll be interesting to see. You won't know until the antibody test is widely available. And I, I think the antibody test is, is where it's at. And I think the testing to see who's got it is almost irrelevant because, you know, you, you probably will be getting it at some point. I won't be taking that test anyway, Dick. Have you seen that God, test? The one where they shove the thing up your nose. He goes up <laughs> your nose and then it keeps on going. And you think, well, it's going to come out the back of his head at some point. Not nice. I don't want that. You can take my blood, but you're not bloody sticking <laughs> one of those things in my nose. It was, a, it was like a, an African soldier or something. I saw the video of him being tested. I was like, what the hell? Is this a torture yep. video? I'm not having yeah. that. Uh, yeah, it was ghastly. Um, I'll have to knock I, me out. I, and chances are it's going to be done by an untrained professional, um, non-professional who's doing it on a volunteer basis. The, the, no, nurse who's, no. the nurse who's too bad at taking blood samples is given the swab <laughs> to go and do the COVID test. Oh, no. So yeah, look, you haven't, you haven't bitten. I've tried a couple of times to get you to talk about libertarianism. Do you consider yourself to be a libertarian? Yes, but I think the thing that people um, fail to understand about libertarianism is it's a spectrum. Uh, and it goes all the way from anarcho-capitalist at one extreme end. Uh, and they're the crazy kids who, um, who, who probably get all the headlines for crazy end of libertarianism. They're the ones who, who essentially want no government except uh, a form of, of uh, monetary um, organization, a bank for want of a better word, mm -hmm. um, and leave the rest to us. Uh, at the other end of the scale is actually a conservative. And in between, there's um, classical liberal and um, what James, I think, has called conservatarians. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think what the government is at the moment is way to the left of conservatism, as it would appear on, on the libertarian scale. So I think what a lot of people who call themselves libertarians are is actually traditional conservatives, which would mm -hmm. be a classical liberal. So it's all about terminology, isn't it? If you ask a left winger, what does right wing mean to you? A lot of them will say, well, you're going to be racist. You're going to be probably a uh, raging capitalist. Um, they won't come up with small government uh, and uh, low taxation, which is mm -hmm. the key to um, what a conservative should believe in. So, I could use the term right wing to describe myself, but I, I wouldn't for most people because it's got so many negative um, connotations. Mm -hmm. So yes, I, I'm a libertarian, but you have to understand what libertarianism is to actually understand what it is I believe. It's a tricky one because people are so simplistic that they'll, if they find that you have one view that makes you, in their mind, inverted commas, right wing, then that's it as far as they're concerned. And the word you used, I think, was a spectrum for libertarianism. And like for me, so for example, I believe all drugs should be legal. Now, how many conservatives would believe that? Probably pretty much none. How many conservative MPs would speak out for that? None. I believe that abortion is severely uncool. That instantly makes me some kind of mega right winger to some people. To me, it means I just care about babies. And I think of an unborn baby as still being a baby. Now, partly that's informed by our own experience of miscarriages and things. I'm sure, you know, we have, all have these influences on us, mm -hmm. but 
so my my position on drugs would be what way left wing my position on unborn babies would be way right wing economically i'm probably somewhere in the center actually i don't think huge corporations are a particularly good idea i think they end up skewing things and wrecking a lot of small businesses but i'm not anti-capitalism i'm certainly not anti-billionaire so I'm sure I'm not alone is my point. There'll be lots well, of people no, that have I, I, I these think... unique views and yet we get just classified and dumped into whichever pot. I think it's very it, unconstitutional. It, we, we know that left-right thing doesn't work anymore, it, it, mm -hmm. if it ever did, um, especially when people tried to compare communism with fascism. And uh, <laughs> when yeah. I was at school, it was described to me as a horseshoe where you go so far left, you almost meet the right coming back round the other way. And I think that sort of comes close to it because fascism and communism are, are, are pretty much, you know, two sides of the same coin, aren't they? They're, they're, they are ridiculously close to each other. And neither one of those would describe the views of most right-wingers or left-wingers I know. But you, you've just described several views, and I'm, I'm chiming with all of those views you expressed. And I think classical liberal is a nice way of describing it, because conservative is small c conservative. You know, it's traditional, you don't want to change things. And, and some of those things you said, like legalizing all drugs, yeah, that's a, a big no-no to conservatives, but there's mm -hmm. barely a classical liberal or a libertarian friend of mine who, who wouldn't agree with that. It, it's mm -hmm. about personal responsibility and personal choice. Yeah. Um, the problem comes when you say, well, look, you know, if you take loads of drugs, you're a burden on the NHS. Well, the NHS wouldn't exist in my ideal libertarian world. We, we'd all be paying for our own health care. Mm -hmm. And if you pay for your own health care, you look after yourself a little bit more than you would if you know that someone's there to pick you up no matter what you do to yourself. So it's, uh, I don't think it could ever work as a system of government, but it works nicely as a system of beliefs, certainly for me. Yeah, yeah no, I'm with you. Well, on that, the, there was something I wanted to bring up with you and see if I could even replicate it in some way or join in. And that was this idea of like libertarian meetups. Now, I know that yeah. maybe that, not for the next few weeks, but... How does that work? And can I set one up in Aberdeenshire? You absolutely could and should set one up in Aberdeenshire. We've been trying to encourage people to do so. It, uh, it came about through, I got kind of fed up with the guys I was drinking with. I drink every Wednesday with the same bunch of guys and girls, uh, all reenactors, funnily enough. Yeah. And it got to the point where there wasn't a conversation we hadn't had. I knew all their views on everything. It wasn't <laughs> that the, most of them are left-wingers. I can completely tolerate that. We're, we're all friends, and we tread yeah. lightly around the, the areas we knew we'd disagree on. But it got to the point where I've done this. I've, you know, I know these guys inside out. And I said to myself, don't mope and moan about the people you're drinking with, change it. This is mm. probably what you, the advice that you would give me as a life coach. And I was thinking, <laughs> I've got my own life coach whispering in my ear, and that's yeah. me. And he's saying, don't moan about it, do something about it. So I thought, well, who do I want to drink in the pub with? And I thought, well, the people I get on really well with on Twitter. Yeah. The libertarians who, um, I just imagine Twitter as a great big um, drink in, a, in the best pub ever. Mm -hmm. without the drink and without yeah. seeing people in real life. So imagine bringing them together in a pub over a pint. Yeah. And so I did that. I organized um, the first libertarian meetup and um, it was a raging success. Everyone who turned up to this uh, drink, pretty much all of them, we're still now meeting. We've got a regular WhatsApp group. Um, 
every third Wednesday, we're still meeting at the same Weatherspoons pub in, in uh, Worcester. Well, not now for lockdown, but yeah. um, it's, uh, it was a huge success. And I think IRL, as in in real life, is the next big thing. I think we've all... We've <laughs> That's all the next it. big thing. You heard it here first. <laughs> heard it here first. Meeting people face to face. And it's only going to get uh, um, more important when this thing's over. I mean, you must have had experiences during this lockdown of you, you encounter someone on the street, you're, you, you're talking to the person in the queue behind you at the supermarket. The human contact has been so lacking that yeah. any conversation with a stranger is like a gift right now. And it's so gold dust, mate. I totally agree. It, it really yeah. is. So, so getting to meet up with like-minded friends. And uh, the good thing about libertarians is that there will always be someone who's got a slightly wacky yeah. view on a subject. Yeah. There might be the one who's completely in line with you, except he's anti-drugs. There might be someone yeah. who is completely in line with you, except he is... Um, They've all got their topics. Yeah. They might be 5G nuts or something like that. Yeah. Um, what, you mean you haven't been using your time wisely to burn down 5G masts? Well, of course <laughs> I have. Uh, that, 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 that's what I do my runs for. But, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it's great to, to meet a variety of people. And I think James interviewed Carbon Mike a couple of times. Mm -hmm. You must yeah, have I heard, heard that yeah. one. And I think he said, if, um, if you're agreeing with each other, then at least one of you if, you, if you agree with each other on everything, then at least one of you isn't thinking for themselves. Yeah. I think that's paraphrased him, but I think that was roughly what he was saying. So I think it's kind of nice when one of us has a disagreement because A, it's a topic of conversation. It keeps you on your toes. Mm -hmm. It ups your game of discussing and asking yourself what you believe in. Uh, and it makes for a more interesting night. So yeah, it, it's been really good. And we, we've set up a website uh, for Third Wednesdays, and I forget what the, 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 um, the website is now. But, well, uh, tell me what I'll, it is. I'll, Just tell me what it is after, and I'll put it in the show notes, because I genuinely, if anyone's listening to this and would like to do one of these Third Wednesday meetups, libertarian meetups, uh, and you don't have to call yourself a libertarian, I would say. You, you just really don't. No, open-minded and want you, to have you discussions have to about want to things. Be there. I mean, if a yeah. raging left winger turned up, they'd have a great time if they well, I'd be delighted. having a lively conversation. You know, that, that's <laughs> the thing. Um, the thing is wanting to talk uh, more than, well. More than shut each other down, basically. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's talk about things and hear the differences. I'll give you an example. Like all, I would say all the rest of my brothers would disagree with me strongly on the, the abortion issue. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean I wouldn't speak to them about it. And I think that we should all be speaking about pretty much everything but at the moment my feeling is the culture to use a yeah the culture in the uk and possibly america to a degree the culture seems to be that you just avoid any of the inverted commas difficult topics i cannot believe a peaceful happy future therein lies the um avoiding difficult topics thing is is in the, in the digital world it's quite important because on facebook I've got pictures of dogs, pictures of reenactments, happy family stuff. Mm -hmm. I am not the person on Facebook that I am on Twitter. Mm -hmm. On Twitter is no holds barred. I, I will be as provocative as I can. I will say <laughs> what I like. It's proved very popular. I'm, mm -hmm. I, I'm coming up to 20,000 followers now. Um, and, and yet I cannot be that person on Facebook because I don't want to upset the friends I see every day, um, members of my family, my in-laws. I don't want to fall out with them 
because online you've got you haven't got that nuance have you you, you mm -hmm. can't give a wry smile as you're saying something provocative you, you you can't give a wink you um and i don't I, i've been there already i've fallen out with long-term friends over mm -hmm. things that you shouldn't fall out over this is why the irl thing is so important if you can talk to someone about abortion and if you read their face and you think this is not where this person wants to be going you can pull back you, you haven't got that online and mm -hmm. um there's no point in losing friends over over any topic really it, it, it's if you can tolerate each other's views as i have with my left-wing reenactor friends mm -hmm. and still be friends 20 years later then yeah that that's surely only going to be a good thing no, I, I completely agree on that. I have heard a fair few people on left and right to use that shorthand that I know isn't accurate, but you know what I mean? Like I've heard people of all different political persuasions publicly falling out with otherwise great friends over one issue. The one that's mm. popping in my head is um, Peter Hitchens falling out with various people, I won't name them, but basically publicly kind of disowning friendships because of their disagreement over the COVID-19 response. And I mean, I... I I love his stuff and he's been on my show before my previous show. So I'm, I'm not being disrespectful about him. I just think I certainly, that's not the way I would play it. Like I'm more on your side on this one where I just want to hear other people's opinions. I would, I would find it very hard to fall out with someone because they had a wildly different opinion to me, even on things that I consider really hot topics. Now. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. We could go down a rabbit hole with this one, but to me, that's why I would love these libertarian meetups. Cause I love the idea that you can fall in with, a group of other people who also think that because so many people don't. I mean, we are in the minority. We seem to be feeling that yeah. people should be able to talk about whatever they like, Dick. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the libertarian name is so much better than right wing because it sounds nice, doesn't it? I mean, w what can you not like about libertarian? It's a bit like um, multiculturalism, which is mm -hmm. actually a dreadful thing. It's the thing that says, um, bring your culture with you and isolate, but don't integrate mm -hmm. uh, when you take it apart. But libertarianism, there's the word liberty at the core of it. And that really is, um, it, it, it guides all our thinking. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's, is, that, is that view about freedom? If it's not, then it's probably not a libertarian view. Mm -hmm. um, if you ever start a conversation with, I think the government should do more about dot 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 then you're probably not a libertarian and the, the more you talk to libertarianism about uh, two people you start to realize people are, are realizing they were a libertarian all that time without knowing it um but libertarians being libertarians don't like being called libertarians because they think their views are unique and uh, that they like things the way they are and they don't want to be labeled it, which is fair enough that weird thing yeah it, it's great but i guess my my whole coaching profession certainly the way i play it is is very libertarian if i think about it i'm thinking out loud here but i'm all about other people's freedom and trying to get them to realize their own freedoms so whether it be helping people right now get new jobs when they've been made redundant through covid what i'm trying to do is get them to express who they really are but in a way that sells them into the next role mm -hmm. and yeah i mean at the core of everything I do coaching wise is freedom. So it makes sense that I would, I would be a libertarian. I mean, I've voted labor and conservative in the past, but I don't feel either of them represent my range of views. That's for sure. And there isn't a really libertarian a libertarian doesn't. option. So what do you do? Well, th there's a libertarian party that I was a member of for a year 
before I started to realize that actually libertarians are such a, a weird bunch that they could never be in government. Mm -hmm. I think it's a view rather than a form <laughs> of government. So I think yeah. the best that libertarians can do is form a group that lends their vote to whoever is the most libertarian. Yeah, the most freedom oriented. Most yeah. well put. Yeah. The most freedom oriented party. And now, mm. I think a lot of times that would be conservatives, but other times it might, it, you know, God help us, might be Lib Dems or Labour. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I don't think putting out your own party is ever going to get anywhere. I mean, when you look yeah. at the Brexit party and you look at UKIP, um, they've both tried, but the system doesn't want them. The, the, the system almost treats them like a virus mm -hmm. and uh, they, they close ranks and they keep out any, any more parties than are already in there. Um, the system doesn't want incomers like that, but a group of people with a view who on block say, we are going to vote for you if you do this policy, that that's, I mean, I'm, I'm almost, I've almost been coming around to the idea that there should be a party called stalking horse, where it, it, it can be the views that can, like a pressure group that will say if you like, the LGBT, the like stonewall or something where you're exactly you're always fighting for the for the like you're always pushing for the rights of in their case lesbian gay bisexual trans people but in our case we're always pushing for the freedom of, of whoever for everyone yeah i love that idea so you know if the, if the libertarian party was saying well when we're not going to put in candidates with a view of ever getting into power, but we are going to, you, you, you might not even know who the candidate is. I think that's a nice idea that some of the, uh, the best movements, you, you, you don't know who their leaders are. You mm. just know that there's a movement. Um, and if you can't take the leader down, I mean, look at Farage. He's had to take such a battering mm -hmm. by being the figurehead of, of, of a movement. Um, but you, you take down the leader and you've taken down the organization. If an organization hasn't got a leader like that, just an ideology, you've got to take down the whole of that ideology. And that's more of a job. By definition, we, us libertarian types, thinkers, shouldn't really have a leader, should we? Well, no, <laughs> so right. it, it makes sense. Yeah. We're, <laughs> in the life of, no, not Life of Brian. Was it Life of Brian? We're an anarcho-syndicalist commune. I think that um, might have been Life of Brian. That's a cracking film that deserves a rewatch during lockdown. I, it's thank got you. So I'm going to watch that. It's got so much relevance, hasn't it? I mean, I mean that and Holy Grail, you know, the, the, peasants, the peasants grubbing in the dirt. And I yeah. think, actually, I think it was Holy Grail uh, when, they, when he talks about how did you become king? You know, some, some obscure tart lobbing scimitars at you is no, no basis of a system of government. That, <laughs> that was the one where it came about. But... Uh, yeah, uh, Monty Python and politics is is just so relevant uh, to now. But, well, um, it's certainly yeah. politics has never been any more uh, potentially comedic, but with dark comedic um, angles. Because I hope I'm wrong, but I feel a I feel a very unpleasant five years coming up, including um, war and pestilence and famine and all those biblical things. But maybe let's well, not go down that route. <laughs> I, I don't know how the war can take place because, um, you know, China makes it, all the bullets. <laughs> China makes all the bullets. None of us are armed. Well, I personally am. But, uh, you know, that's just for my reenactment purposes. And uh, I think don't think hitting the street with a, um, a turn of the 19th century um, musket would really work. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not the armed resistance I was thinking of, but I, I can't see how the war side of things can happen. I, I, I meant it, between nations. I didn't actually mean within the country 
or within no. our countries. But no, that's a fair point. We might get civil disorder of some kind once the mm. soup kitchen lines are long enough. I just spoke to a good business colleague in Houston who was talking about two mile long um, food kitchen lines already in Houston, in Texas. And these are not, this wasn't a rough part of the city. This was just a normal middle class part of the city. So people are driving there for a $4 lunch. Well, that's, they're not doing that for the shits and giggles. They're doing it because they're really short of cash. And this is early in the situation. So when you get major countries in huge economic distress, I mean, my history degree tells me that's when conflicts happen. And we, we, we probably won't see the root of it now. And I hope, hey, I hope I'm wrong. I'm not in any way rubbing my hands together at this one. There's not really any significant win in, in us ending up in a war. So let's hope I'm wrong. Let's not go down that route. From James's podcast with the your chap that you talked to, that's uh, mm. his name, yeah. Simon Dolan. Uh, Simon, um, he was saying that the, the, the really bad shit is a, a year away, mm-hmm. um, which is probably the case. I mean, I, I'm currently trying to sell my house just to downscale, which mm. I was meant to be doing before this happened, and now I'm thinking, well, what's happening to the housing market? We can only we can only assume it's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. But then the old thing is, well, if my house is worth less than the house I'm going to be buying is worth mm-hmm. less. Uh, and then the upside may be, well, some of the kids can get a, a, a foot on the first rung of the housing ladder. But, uh, you know, silver linings and all that. Silver linings. There's going to well, be precious few of those around. Let's, um, let's just remind anyone who's listening where your website is so they can pay into the next um, house pot. What's your, <laughs> dellingpolestudio. Yeah, dellingpolestudio.co.uk. And where, where do we find just, you on Twitter, Dick? Um, uh, Dick Dellingpole. Um, I think I'm, uh, I'm out and proud with my own name. Good, so, Dick um, Dellingpole. No numbers, no, no multiple digits, <laughs> no DP. No, no. But the, the other um, things, I've, I, I, I write things down before I do James's podcast and he's completely disorganized. So I've got the things that we were going to be talking about and we've covered libertarianism, libertarian drinks, COVID-19 WTF. Um, <laughs> and we were going to talk briefly about your Hazak coffee because oh, yeah. you kindly Thank sent you. me the coffee and it yeah. was unexpectedly delicious. <laughs> um, I, I didn't think anything to do with charity could be that good. Um, hey, that's a quotable. So, I'm having that for the website. <laughs> <laughs> because I, yeah, I'm a bit of a coffee aficionado. One of the things I'm missing most about the lockdown is my two favorite cafes in Worcester. One of them mm. is a, a Colombian cafe called Francini. And he, ex, ex-Colombian army. And he came over here. He set up this Colombian cafe. He grows his own coffee back home. Oh, wow. And, ports it, and, and it is to die for. And then a few months later, just up the, up the road in Worcester from him, uh, another amazing coffee roaster stroke cafe set up mm. called Method. So I'm surrounded by this excellent, excellent coffee. And I take the greatest pleasure in walking into town just to have a coffee and um, uh, chew the fat with Francini talking about his army days and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. I miss all that terribly. So coffee yeah. is very important to me. So well, let's yeah. hope let's hope it's back uh, soon, and you can be going down and supporting that Colombian dude. Let's hope he's still in business because well, he, he he's doing it. at the moment. He's been in the paper. He's been putting up shower curtains be- between all the cubicles in his cafe, <laughs> in the hope that that, that this will yeah. allow him some sort of um, limited opening status. But yeah, we all need to get out there and support those artisans and small businesses more than ever before, and we need to chuck away our loyalty cards because. Mm-hmm. 
we need to make sure these guys are getting as much money from us as possible. I'm with you. Support local cafes and use Starbucks, et cetera, less because those gits don't pay. Not just less, never. You're just, you know, if you can possibly avoid them, do. Mm. Um, yeah. So you, your coffee, do, how, how does that work that you're dishing out the, uh, coffee that, that um, is helping persecuted Christians? Well, the, simple, the simple answer is, has that coffee is unashamedly a business. We are not, mm -hmm. we are in it as a business to make profit. Yes. But we are, we are a countercultural coffee, if you like, because in the culture, it's not cool to be Christian for a start. And so standing up for persecuted Christians is, is pretty countercultural. And we mm -hmm. are very happy to do that. And it's a cause we believe in. So we are putting a percentage of profit to the partner charity. So the partner charity release international are ones who actually get alongside Christians in awful parts of the world well awful i.e how they're being treated there awful places to be Christian. yeah absolutely china all these places pakistan so they're the ones on the ground doing the heavy lifting and all we're mm. doing is partnering with them and and um at the same time as you say we are providing shit hot coffee like it is high quality coffee because the way that enterprise is set up we have a real genuine and i can't name them genuine coffee expert at the core of this business so yeah it had to be about excellent coffee and it's not it's not the cheapest you know so if, if you go to hazakcoffee.com h-a-z-a-q and check it out you'll see a video of myself and matthew my co-founder speaking about the business and yeah you'll see it's not the cheapest but it is great quality coffee and i guess have you seen um sort of an inspiration for me although i've not been allowed to unleash their type of marketing i'd love to black rifle coffee in the states have you followed any I, of this? I, I saw um, a tweet and I was just very taken by the branding. It's very in your face. Hardcore. Oh, yeah. First and Second Amendment. So they're all for free speech, all for the right to bear arms. Right. There's an amazing video where Matt Best, who's like one of their superstar marketers and one of their co-founders, I think he would be now. But Matt does a video coming out as a conservative. You need right. to watch that. It is I'm going to so make fun. a note of that. Matt right. Best, M-A-T. Only one T in Matt, Matt mm -hmm. Best, coming out conservative. It, it just, well, it cracked me up when I saw it. So true. <laughs> right. Right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up now, Dick, if that's all right. Fantastic. I've got another I've really meeting coming up, it. And I don't want to go over the score time-wise for people, but we're not Joe Rogan yet, as I always say, so we can't get away with three hours of chuntering. But thanks for coming on, dude. Great You're to talk welcome. to you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And let's get, let's get a libertarian drink in real life when all this... And we'll get you on the website with the, the details of which I will pass on to you. But, Is that uh, on? Yeah. Oh yeah, you're going to pass it on. So I'll put that in yeah. the show notes. What you organize a date and we will advertise it and I'll tweet about it and, and we work together to make sure as many people know about it as possible. So let's nice make one. it happen. Let's do that. Thanks. Cheers dude. and Thor. Speak to you later. Bye -bye. bye bye. Bye. If you enjoyed today's show, do please leave me a quick review on iTunes or wherever you heard it. And if you've been made redundant or you're, at risk of being made redundant due to COVID-19, etc. And you might like to find out about my career coaching to help you find, position yourself and even win a new job role. Yes, I am currently working with many people in multiple countries to win jobs, even with corona furlough and lockdown in full swing. Well, if you're interested in that, perhaps check out my coaching site, thorholt.com, and then do get in touch once you've heard what previous clients have to say about me. Meanwhile, do connect me on LinkedIn. That's the platform where I post content most days. Happy to help. Even if you're not paying me, I will do my very best to connect you or help if I can. Say hello on Twitter, at Thorholt, although I'm not on there as often. And while you're doing all that, enjoy a phenomenal Hazak coffee. As Dick mentioned today, he's a coffee connoisseur, and he rated Hazak coffee as 
absolutely excellent. Well, he might not have used those words, but he said it was great. Most importantly, my friend, remember your silence isn't golden, but your free expression, your willingness to use it, to sell yourself, your ideas into a new job or to create opportunity for yourself and your family, that surely is a value worth claiming. I'll see you next time.